the latest weird Kirk Cousins rumors, value discussions, and of course, just how superhuman is Justin Jefferson? It is Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is just a regular audio app or YouTube, even Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app, and now we're even on the SiriusXM app, which is pretty fun. Thanks so much to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers sound off if you can. Uh, And today's episode is Twitter Tuesday. That means I am answering your questions. Uh, You can send me those questions whenever you want at Luke Brown NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. Send an email to Lockdown Vikings podcast at gmail.com or uh, put a YouTube, uh, put a comment in the YouTube comments or fill out the Google form in the show notes. FYI, I'm doing two of these in a row, uh, recording them on the same day. So if you do have a question, maybe hold off for a little bit. I'm going to be out of town, so I'm kind of pre-recording here. And if I am behind the times on anything for all of next week's shows, I apologize in advance for that. So some of you ask questions I will answer next week. And uh, I think I'm going to do like a long-form one where I like save like six questions. I'll actually be able to go in a little more depth on them because they're, they're bigger, longer ones. So if you ask other questions... Uh, do stay tuned. I might get to them, but I'll get to uh, as much as I can. The first one comes from Brian Peacock, who is the uh, Locked On 49ers host and also does Peacock and Williamson, another Locked On show on the whole NFL. I'm actually going on that. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday, so probably Thursday's episode. Um, he asks, what will Kirk Cousins bring to the 49ers offense next year? <laughs> A whole bunch of you asked some version of this. Of of I, I guess it's another Florio thing that basically said don't rule out the uh, the odds of San Francisco and that, that's the classic Florio hey don't rule it out and then if it doesn't happen he said well I didn't say it was going to happen I just said don't rule it out um, but of of Kirk Cousins being the 49ers quarterback next year and like logically that lines up right he's slated to be a free agent 49ers quarterback situation is bizarre Kyle Shanahan likes him we know that. Um, you know, he's a, he's a scheme fit and all that. And also said maybe the Rams. So that all makes sense. Like logically, um, I'll I'll tell you right now, I I don't think that NFL teams, like I don't think Kyle Shanahan is thinking about this very much. That is very much a 2024 question. Uh, if it happens, you know, we'll, we'll we'll deal with that when we come to it. We got a lot of time to think about that. And right now, Kyle Shanahan is just trying to figure out how to win games if, uh, with Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. (laughs) That's, that is the operative problem in San Francisco right now. Uh, but what I'll say about Kirk Cousins, you know, all the improv stuff that Brock Purdy gives you, 49ers fans say, kiss that goodbye. This is this is Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's not afraid to throw to the outside. I, I think that is probably the best way to put it. Um, yeah, there's you, you know, you can run around a little, you can make a play a little bit, but it's never gonna be his strength. Um, he did he has gotten better at that as time has gone on, uh, but still very much not like a strength that I would give to him, um, but he'll be able to make throws that right now nobody on your roster can can make. And that's what you really should be excited about if you get Kirk Cousins, of course, assuming that, uh, that the price is right, as as always is the consideration. Brent G asks, the offense seems to seemed to lack drive-to-drive consistency last year. What do you think KOC is looking to do to help avoid three and outs back-to-back? Is that where the run game comes in? Uh, yes, 
that is precisely where the run game comes in. So this is an interesting thing that I don't think it's talked about enough. You know, we talk about the Vikings and they're like their point differential and their overall stuff, but it was a lot of streaky, a lot of elite, 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 bad, 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 bad. And it, and it averages out to something average, but to call it average is kind of a misnomer because it was at no point. Could you say they are playing okay right now? They're either playing great or bad. And I, I think part of that is there's a philosophy and this is sort of the cost of it because if you remember, O'Connell talked about constantly being on the attack, 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 attack. That was a big thing in training camp. We're always on the attack. It's never going to be let off the brakes uh, or let off the gas. And, and everybody's really excited about that, right? This is what we want to do, run up the score and all that. And so when you get like behind in a game, you start off playing poorly and you press and you press and you press and you press, and you press that could lead to a comeback, right? That, that attacking mentality, maybe you rip off three touchdowns and suddenly you go and, and it's just streaky. Kirk Cousins is a streaky quarterback. That's part of it, too. Um, but, you know, you can get on a good streak. You can make the comeback, right? Think about the Bills game. They're, they were behind two scores in the Lions game, uh, the first Lions game that they won, the Colts game, of course, the big one. Um, and, you know, you can kind of dig yourself out of a, a hole that other teams aren't really going to be able to dig themselves out of if they don't have that same mentality. The problem is, and this is why other teams don't have that mentality, you could dig the hole deeper. Think Cowboys game, Packers game, Eagles game. Uh, you know, it can turn into a blowout. So there's no world in which you lose by just like a, a normal amount, right? You either make this crazy comeback or you make it way worse. You get beat by 40. Um, and I think that lack of consistency too is a lack of a run game because if you don't have a, a, a good ability to chew clock, get that run game going when you're in a lead um, and, you know, sustain drives that are heavy run drives. The Vikings couldn't do that. Um, then you can get a two-score lead and give it up all the time. And that's why they couldn't put anyone away either. They couldn't run up the score uh, unless, you know, they wanted to hit like four touchdown drives in a row after hitting four touchdown drives in a row. It's like nobody's that good. Um, so, yes, the answer to that is it's I, I think is the run game, is being able to sort of slow the pace down and say, here is where we're at. We're in a good, advantageous position, up a score, you know, or up, you know, 10 points in the end of the third quarter, and we just kind of want to slow this game down and, and start removing chances for them to come back. Zimmer style, they didn't really have that muscle, and they want to flex it a little bit more, and I think that's where the run game comes in. And it can be a little bit easier to be drive-to-drive consistent when everything is in a shot play. Shot plays are just going to be inconsistent. If you t- call three shot plays all the time. You're going to go three and out a bunch of the time. Um, so I think that's part of it. And having a run game, a different pitch, a different speed to go to can help keep things a little bit more consistent, fill things out a little bit, uh, and, and have the offense be a more complete thought. Joshua Brooke asks, Luke, what is sound off? This is what I always tell to my hashtag every day, or is it means chime in, tweet at me, leave a YouTube comment, send an email, whatever. If you're a hashtag every day, I want to hear from you. I appreciate you. That's all that means. Uh, sports guy 709 asks what players not on people's radar do you think will shine in camp and earn an unexpected roster spot or starting job? Um, the, the meme here from the Minnesota football party is Najee Thompson. We actually talked to Tom, Najee Thompson on this show, but listen to that as a great interview. Uh, but as like a special teamer, he was not a good enough corner. Uh, and he was not even a corner until his last two years in college. He was a wide receiver convert. That's not particularly athletic, at least not in his testing. Um, so bringing him into play from scrimmage wouldn't really make sense, even as a camp body. Like there's there's better options for that, but really, really good special teamer. Lots of blocked kicks, lots of, uh, you know, plays on all the units, excels on all the units and was very much a 
Matt Daniels guy, has a relationship with Matt Daniels. So that's your guy who sneaks onto a roster. If you're looking for someone that might have a bigger role than we think, I think Troy Reader is a good example. Again, uh, that was another Minnesota football party thing we did uh, on today's Minnesota football party, actually, on Mondays, where we kind of talked about um, weak links on the on the deep part of the roster. And I think we all kind of agreed that like Troy Reader could get a bigger role than we think for however good or bad you think that is. So so that's somebody. In terms of who could surprise and steal a starting role, I think on the offensive line a lot, like like Chris Reed would be one that like knocks somebody off that we're totally not expecting. That O-line is pretty much solidified. So if you want a surprising outcome, Chris Reed maybe taking a center job or taking that guard job from uh, from Ed Ingram. Uh, Get Quacken says, when can I start dooming about Hunter? You can doom however you want, but... I don't want to hear about it, man. <laughs> I, I think if you really want, like right now, the Daniil Hunter thing is very nebulous and not really worth sweating uh, until we get more information. I think what that information is would be if we get the report that the Vikings are no longer negotiating with Hunter, that negotiations have broken off, then we can doom, right? Or if you hear like the Vikings are are actively seeking to trade Hunter, where right now teams are calling them, uh, but they're kind of, I don't know. They're they're not really taking anything that's not a crazy serious godfather can't turn it down offer. Um if that dynamic changes, then you can start dooming on Hunter. Everything else you can sort of write off as posturing, negotiating through the media, you know, that is how these negotiations tend to go down. Um and we'll see what what ends up happening. Uh but honestly, man, it's a free country. Do however much you want. I've got a lot more questions that I want to make sure that I have the time to get to. But before I do so, let me talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode, FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and it's America's number one sports book for uh, a, a number of reasons. It's safe, secure, very easy to use. They pay you out instantly. They've got all kinds of uh, great promotions going on at the website all the time. So go to FanDuel.com. And if you're new, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you whiff on your first bet. So if you maybe said uh, that the Colorado Rockies, maybe you bet them plus 20 against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, And you would have been wrong on that. Of course, that spread ended up being bigger. Fair enough. Happens to all of us. (laughs) You can go to uh fanduel.com and if you whiff on that you might get a thousand up to a thousand dollars back in bonus bets so go to fanduel.com slash locked on and get signed up at fanduel make every moment more thanks so much for those of you who do listen to this show every single day and hey why don't you go check out my patreon page patreon.com slash luke brown nfl eventually some point this week i do want to get the uh, andrew booth a caleb evans piece out it's very close to being done. So hopefully I can get it out soon as soon as uh, things slow down a little bit before I, I go on this trip. Check that out. Uh, but you can check out all kinds of stuff. You can, and, Ed, and Ed Ingram one, if you're interested, a couple on Jordan Addison, I think one on every single rookie we drafted, except I haven't done Jaquel and Roy yet, but I do kind of eventually want to get to him as well as some other longer form projects that I'm working on sort of in the background on, on, on a more long-term basis. Uh, next question on this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast comes from Shadow Flame, who asks, TJ Hawkinson seems to be going under the radar regarding the passing game. How big of a role do you expect him to have? Um, yeah, I, I think he's going under the radar because there's not much to discuss. It's like we kind of know what his role was last year, and we all just kind of expect it to be the same thing, which was as well as the second passing option. And hopefully, you know, one of Osborne or Addison can sort of take over that mantle like a wide receiver should. 
Uh, but I don't know if he's that under the radar. Like the fantasy community is arguing right now over whether or not he's a top five tan- fantasy tight end. That's pretty good, <laughs> you know. Uh, and and what kind of volume to expect from him is sort of at the crux of that argument. And because it's very unknown, you can kind of see both sides of it. Um, but I mean, he's you know going to be your main why. He's going to do a lot of the things George Kittle does for the 49ers, those kinds of uh, of roles. And he's still going to serve as one of the primary foils to if the team wants to sit in too high and bracket Justin Jefferson all day, TJ Hawkinson is kind of the guy that punishes that. And hopefully you have another guy that punishes that in Addison, and hopefully KJ Osborne can do his thing as well from time to time. Uh, That seems to be the thesis here. Jack asks, how many years until people can be justifiably concerned with Kwesi's drafts? I think this is a question everybody has on their mind because we had one draft and uh, the two main guys got injured, right? And weren't good, right? They didn't start. And, you know, Caleb Evans kind of did play, but he also got injured. And Brian Asamoah didn't play till the end, so we don't really know. And, And it all feels very bleak. Here's the deal. The second year, it always feels a little bleak because guys that maybe needed a year didn't play. And we're sort of... Under it, like it's easy to assume, well, they're never going to play, but that's not true, right? Um, I think you need three years. By three years, you know, with with Lewis seen, we, we still have some question marks, right? Think about like after year one of Darasaw, we didn't know what Darasaw was yet. Um, we had reason to be optimistic, but we also had reasons to hedge that until he really came out in 2022 and he did more. Now we know that's only two years, but if you like Justin Jefferson unequivocally we know, right? There's no unknowns there anymore. There's no unknowns with Ezra Cleveland. No unknowns with Cameron Dantzler on the other, on the flip side of things. Um, you know, no unknowns with somebody like we know what DJ Wanham is, right? Going into year four of these guys. So after three years, I would say that's when you can really look at a draft and say, okay, this is what that was. Uh, you know, did we get what we expect to get out of that, that draft value? Um, so th- if you can't, really judge a draft like three years i think is when you can easily judge a draft you can go ahead and try to judge a draft after one year two year all you want that can be a fun exercise but understand that there's probably a little bit of guesswork in it so i would say if you're trying to evaluate a gm you probably don't want the guesswork so wait those three years and then i say you, you don't want to do this off of one draft maybe two and, but probably three so like six years in i mean look jack the draft is a long-term thing this is not the thing where you get to know immediately. I know we all love our draft grades and see that CBS posts after the, you know, one day after the thing, but those are damn useless. They'd be more useful if I printed them out and wiped my ass with them. <laughs> Ultimately, if you want to judge a GM, you probably need to wait five or six years to see how that turned out. And a lot of these GMs don't even last that long, which I think is insane. It's a long-term proposition. You have to sort of do the longitudinal study to understand it. Anything else, you're just going to add a lot of guesswork and, hey, maybe you end up being right, maybe you don't. But I, I, I think if you really wanted to push it, maybe you could argue two years, like I'd be willing to listen to that, but it's a long-term game. Five or six is my answer. Forrester asks, how many Super Bowls would the Vikings have won if we held them hashtag accountable for their mediocrity? And is it fewer than seven? Uh, so this is, I think, uh, based, uh, looking at a, a Judd Zolgad take. That was basically that like Minnesota sports fans are it was it was it was a score north like debate that like are Minnesota sports fans too nice making the franchises complacent. Uh I, that's not fans' job. Um we don't we it's not our, we don't have to do anything for the team. They, we don't owe the team anything. And the team doesn't owe us anything. They're putting on an entertainment product that we buy tickets to. Um whether or not we like booed enough is not gonna make them 
change like the overall entire direction of the franchise. I, I think that's just kind of bored summer whinging. Um, is it fewer than seven? No, but of course it's not. No, they would have won eight Super Bowls in a row is the answer to that question. Uh, Herb P20 asks, what would that mean? What, what would an extension of Hunter mean for a possible extension of Cousins next year? Means even less money for JJ, Hawk, and Kirk, but I assume also a later draft position. How would it change the likeliness, likeliness percentage? So a Daniil Hunter extension... The the JJ and Hawk extensions are also like going to be resolved one way or another before that. So we're kind of asking, basically what you're asking is, do they still do Kirk if they don't have the cap space to do it? And the answer is, if they're really motivated to do it, they'll find a way. There's a bunch of void years on Kirk's contract. They can find a way to spread that money out. They absolutely can do it if they are so motivated to do it. And I think because it's quarterback and quarterback is so important, nickel and diming becomes a lot less attractive there. Just get the dang thing done if you can, if you want. So I don't think it changes things a whole lot. What it what changes it, and this is what I talked about when I when um you know Kirk Cousins basically said we're not talking about the contract anymore. What changes it is 2023. Um how Kirk Cousins plays in that season, how that season ends, even if it's not Kirk Cousins' fault, like if if it ends the same way the Giants game ended, uh where Kirk had a great game, but it ended on a bad Kirk play, and like that's the taste in your mouth, like that is gonna be what has an effect on things. You have to answer the question first, do we want to do this? Before you answer the question, okay, can we do this? How do we do this? But first, you got to ask, do we want to do this? Um, and with quarterback, if you want to do it, you'll figure out a way. Rock NHL asks, what's your confidence level in the returning O-line? Obviously, the tackles are set, but still feels like there's a lot of questions on the interior. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I'm really surprised that they brought back basically the same unit and didn't bring in any new serious competition. You can, I guess, talk yourself into Chris Reed competing with Ed Ingram, but they're not switching reps or anything like that. There's, They're not rotating. There's not an actual... Nobody's getting... The only uh, players rotating in and getting first-team reps are Oli Udo and... Um, Vidarian Lowe, as Blake Brandell, I believe, is still... Uh, or no, he's not hurt. He's just not starting with the ones. It's really interesting. Um, that That's the only like first-team rotation going on. Everybody else is chalk. So, interesting stuff. I we, we hope we see a step forward from Ingram. I We've seen steps forward from Ezra Cleveland every year, so we have good reason to expect another one, but not necessarily take it to the bank. And I think Garrett Bradbury is who he is. We kind of know who he is. I, I think if, if you think that Garrett Bradbury suddenly got a lot better last year, you're mistaking scheme stuff for actual genuine improvement. They just used him smarter. Uh, and I hopefully that, you know, they've learned that lesson they can continue to use him him smarter that's the optimistic take on the o-line but yeah i think all three of those guys are, are question marks and then of course the big one is is brad o'neill gonna be ready for the season partially torn achilles in january that's that's rough so we'll uh we'll, we'll see but you're right rock nhl there's definitely a lot of questions on the interior i want to make sure that i get to all of these questions so let's keep it rolling maybe go a little bit of rapid fire coming up on this twitter tuesday episode of locked on vikings podcast Thanks again to everybody who is hanging out for this June episode, deep June episode of Locked on Vikings podcast. The next one comes from uh, Skull Bunch of Numbers, who says, let's say Donatel wasn't nearly as bad last year and ran the Fangio scheme to perfection. Which scheme do you think fits our offense better from a complimentary football perspective, Fangio or Flores? I don't know what you mean by complimentary football, but I'm guessing you're just asking, like, who fits this roster better? And and what's weird is this roster has now been built kind of halfway. There's, like, still a couple Zimmer guys. There's a couple of Fangio scheme at Donatel guys. And now there's a couple of Flores guys. Like, it's a weird hodgepodge, which is kind of the downside of going, turning through defensive coordinators and being really reactive about it. 
Um, not that that's necessarily the wrong thing, but it comes with a cost, right? If you're going to not stick by that scheme, you're going to move off of it. Maybe that's the right choice, but it is not a costless one. Now you've got a weird hodgepodge of guys. Um, you know, the Lewis scenes, the Andrew Boost, the Brian Osamoas, they were drafted to do a different thing, and now Flores has to figure out that thing. The nice thing is both of these have a sense of aligning far away and coming downhill. Keep things in front of you, then come downhill. There's that philosophy. So the difference is going to be mitigated a lot because they both have that same kind of architecture. Um, but really, I think the biggest thing is, would you rather have these guys in zone match or in man? Um, that's the biggest consideration here. Zone match takes a lot of reading, but maybe is a little bit less demanding. Man is man, right? Very easy. I have number 13, but I got to cover number 13. And if I'm not capable of doing that, then I lose and we suck. Um, so that's that's the the key difference, and I think for that a well run version of the Fangio scheme is probably better, but that kind of takes away you know a well version thing takes away or a well run version takes away all the problems that happened on that defense last year. That means blitzing more, which you're getting with Flores, and you didn't get with Donatel. That means um, calling more diverse coverages, uh, which you wouldn't get with Flores. Flores, I mean, it's not horribly undiverse but it's a lot of just kind of straight up man-to-man -man, the beauties and its simplicity kind of thing and, and with the, the the correctly called fangio thing correctly installed and taught fangio thing you can call cover three you can call six you can call quarters you can call two you can call one you can call a big blitz you can call zero you can call everything uh ideally you have all that stuff um but I think what you what I wanted out of the fangio thing and why I, I the the excitement that I had about it was about its um versatility how difficult it was to read and how aggressive it was and then it wasn't aggressive it wasn't versatile and it wasn't difficult to read they just lined up and played kind of soft zone all day and didn't disguise it so yeah a, a t totally different version of the vikings defense there could have been one there that would have been what we were talking about if the vikings say hired sean desai uh or ezra evero but alas here we are going back to the man coverage thing and uh sort of back into the world that we were in with Zimmer, at least architecturally. Uh, Ingram's left foot said, if you could transport a historical Viking camp former long shot to fill a need on the current team, who would you pick? It's very interesting. Um, so if I could transport, I'm guessing I'm getting like the prime version of that. Adam Thielen is very much, you know, give me 2018 Adam Thielen, right? His pick was John Randall. Great pick. John Randall probably is the pick. Uh, I'm going to throw in a wild card, which is Mick Tinglehoff. McTinglehoff, believe it or not, was an absolute roster long shot uh, when he first came in. He was just this like undersized kid from a farm in, what was it, Nebraska? Uh, and we didn't really expect to get what we got out of him. One of the greatest centers of all time. Uh, that's a possible thing if you're worried about Bradbury, although he's another undersized kind of like faster center. Uh, but he was a mean dude. Like he was, he, he, he beat you up. Um, Soul Skull Squatch asks, what are your thoughts on only starting QBs on rookie contracts? Find a decent one, build an elite team around him, and then when his contract is up, move on to the next one. It's really tough to build a team around a quarterback and then put a new quarterback into that team, then build a team around that quarterback. That sounds like a really good way to be bad three years out of four in perpetuity and also expose yourself to what if the quarterback sucks? It's really easy to imagine getting, you know, the best quarterback every single year, but even if you are in draft position to take the guy who's to say you're not getting that year's Deshaun Kaiser. And now that's four years down the drain, right? Or maybe, you know, you've got to uh, 
move on from that guy then? Well, we'll get rid of him after one year. We'll draft a new guy the next year. But how do you know that that guy's not just having uh, his Josh Allen year? And you just needed to be a little more patient, right? You're probably going to wait three or four years with a first-round quarterback, uh, and you're going to piss away three or four years and build up a whole new team around the new guy if he if he's not in the same style. It sounds like a very good way to grind your uh, franchise into dust like the New York Jets. If you liked the New York Jets of like the mid-2010s, where the best year they had was when F- Ryan Fitzpatrick like managed to string together a few games without falling apart before falling apart, uh, <laughs> then congratulations. If, if you enjoy playoff droughts and uh, teams that are so bad you can't even really bring yourself to watch them on Sundays, this sounds like a great way to uh, speed run your way into that purgatory hell. Uh, Stizo asks, what are your thoughts on getting four all-22 angles? Yeah, this is some cool news. Uh, the... NFL is going to release an extra all 22 angle. So one of the four is the scoreboard. So they released technically three. So they're only getting, giving you one extra, but it's cool. You get the sideline view as always, the, which is literally the all 22 view. You get to see all the players, no cutoff. Uh, there's the end zone view, and then there is a wide end zone view. So it's the end zone angle, but you get to see the receivers and the cornerbacks on the outside. It's pretty cool. You get to see stuff about alignments. You can see the releases a little bit better. You can see, um, I think it's going to make it a lot easier to look at things like what we were talking about yesterday with Andrew Booth. If you're in a, a an outside responsibility like the outside corner in cover three and or, you know, an outside corner in cover four and you're aligning inside and you're playing inside, that's a mistake that will be easier to point out. And NFL teams have access to that information already. They just don't release it to the public. But I think a more informed public is always a cool thing. I'm pretty stoked on it. Uh, Brian Sandista asks, have you ever come home to find your bunnies have chewed your electrical cords asking for a friend? Um, let's see if they'll let me hang on for those who are not watching on YouTube. I just grabbed one of the rabbits. Do you like electrical cords? Answer for the audience. (laughs) I hope that made a mic sound. (laughs) Uh, the answer is, so we keep that really, we keep it all sectioned off well enough where that's not an option, but yes, rabbits are known to uh, go after the spicy hay, as it were. And uh, you should keep that. There's um, stuff you can get. I think you can get it at, like, Home Depot or something that will cover up those that are, like, cord covers uh, that make it so that they can't chew on the spicy hay. Next one comes from Red and Purple, who says, if you could change one rule in the NFL, what would it be? Uh, The worst rule in the NFL is the fumble through the end zone touchback rule. It's the dumbest rule in history. If the ball bobbles a little bit as you reach out for the pylon, uh, the other team can get the ball in a touchback, even if they don't recover it. Here is my logic to this. I've never gotten a good answer to this. If in you fumble, the defense has to recover it to get it, right? Goes out of bounds, it stays with the offense's team. If it goes out of bounds in the end zone, which is an arbitrary distinction, there is no difference there. It's just a different part of the field that's painted different. Uh, it becomes the defense's ball, and they didn't have to recover it. In my opinion, if you want the ball, you should have to recover the fumble. And if nobody recovers the fumble, default it back to the offense. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, I don't like the idea that, you know, if they well, don't fumble. And you're basically legislating out the very cool things that they put on Madden covers where people, like, reach out for the end zone. You're legislating that out of the game and discouraging it. I think that's it's bad from a game design perspective. It's bad from a logic perspective, and it's bad from a simplicity perspective. I would change that rule. Uh, Spinner Jeremy asks... Top three favorite current NFL uniforms. Current uniforms. The Chargers, just default powder blue yellow pants, I think is phenomenal. Uh, I'm a big fan of, there are certain monochrome ones that I really, really like. 
like I don't I, I like the the Lions all Honolulu blue is very good. Um I'm trying to think of like some some of the best alts and I know I'm forgetting some of the coolest alts uh in in the NFL. So forgive me if I've forgotten your favorite. I'm I'm thinking of this off the dome. Kind of like the Bengals color rush to be honest with the white helmet. I think the white out Cincinnati Bengals thing is very good and it pairs really well with just about any um any any opposing look like the the Dolphins Bengals game it kind of is remembered now for being the one where Tua got hurt really bad but uh or got hurt really bad like again but it was a very very cool looking game uniform matchup wise I, I hope that the Bengals and Dolphins do the exact same thing again I love it um I I like a lot of the things the Dolphins can do so the Dolphins throwbacks are glorious uh Another one from Spinner Jeremy is, would Justin Jefferson survive the Titan implosion because he's him and wouldn't let the pressure get to him? Absolutely, buddy. <laughs> For those who are living under a rock, I guess, yeah, there was a, a submersible that went, an ill-fated submarine expedition to the Titanic. It was a tourist thing, privately uh, funded by a person who made lots of mistakes. Very, very poorly designed thing that ended up uh, imploding underwater. No survivors. Really sad thing. Uh, but yeah, Justin Jefferson's him, and he would definitely be able to, I mean, he can withstand any pressure, right? He's super cool under pressure. Or maybe he would be also turned into a golf ball, but like a cool golf ball, you know? Like a really, a calm golf ball. <laughs> CJ Ham's burner is the last one, which asks, do you think Fabiano Caruana will bounce back after a heart-crushing loss to Hikaru Nakamura in the first in the final round of Norway chess? You know what, I'm going to mix it up. No, I don't think he will. Still don't know who that is. Uh, so tomorrow is, we're going to go back to the Everman series. And then of course, remember next week I'll be out, but we'll still have, uh, shows every single day, Monday through Friday, baby. I'm going to keep them pre-recorded and maybe I'll, I'll work a little bit from on the road, but I'm trying not to, so I can enjoy my trip, but I will, uh, regardless, I'll see you tomorrow. And as always, skull.